gig at Tootsie's, then mm-hmm. you go on the record label. Yeah. Are you touring more? Are they sending you out? What are you doing? You still jamming there every six the months first a week? Part, the first part that I did was a radio tour. Okay. <laughs> me, Which means you played for free. Yeah, me, well, it was just me, the music director, and I guess the guy who was over radio promotions, and he was my bass player in my band, went out and traveled the country in a damn 1996 Cadillac. Playing it, what, like lobbies of radio stations? We just would gigs? go to radio Jingle stations. <laughs> we'd yeah. try to set up radio interviews, and if we didn't have one in the town, we'd just go knock on the door and see if they'd let us in, yeah. or we'd talk to them. It was almost Loretta Lynn style back in her day without the bologna sandwiches. Actually, we did eat some bologna sandwiches. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> it was slim pickings a little while. and uh, But – we traveled across Texas so often, man. I could almost tell you exactly what time that black and white dog was going to be sitting over there by the stop sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And we were all over the place. And But, you know, we got some radio traction on it. And, uh, and like, you know, we were talking before the podcast even started. For some reason, California, coastal California radio stations were playing the shit out of my songs. And so I was out there working radio, and I went down on the Sunset Strip back when they still had Tower Records where you could actually buy CDs and stuff and walked in Tower Records and went back there and actually purchased my own CD from Tower Records on the Sunset Strip. When you laid it on the the counter, did you want them to look down at it and look up and be like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Just try to contain yourself. Hey, can I buy this album? (laughs) I ain't going to really say how they knew that was me before I left, but they definitely knew that was me before I left that damn store. Just saying. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell yeah, man. And, uh, you know, and I got to tell this uh, Whiskey A Go-Go story, too, because this is funny as shit. You played there, too? No, I didn't play there, but I went in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because we grew up in the Motley Crue and the sure, Poison yeah. and the Glam Rock and the Hair Metal days. And when uh, the Sunset Strip was just nothing but beautiful girls and parties and motorcycles and you know just this whole this whole glamorous lifestyle look at things so i'm thinking man i can't wait to hit the sunset strip i'm going to the rainbow i'm going whiskey a go-go i'm doing all this shit it's gonna be awesome (laughs) so i go in the whiskey a go-go dressed about like i am right now i had a (laughs) denim shirt and a cowboy hat and boots and Uh, you know and i go in there and there's this asian Screamo band with an orange mohawk <laughs> screaming into the microphone and a bunch of about 30 people on the dance floor karate kicking each other and body slamming <laughs> and moshing and shit. And I felt like that character in the damn uh, Uneasy Rider 2 song with Charlie Daniels. I thought to myself, Jim, this ain't our kind of place. <laughs> I had to finish my beer, get out of there before somebody drop kicked the shit out of me. <laughs> I think Alfred was at that. But it was nothing, nothing like I pictured in my dadgum head how the Sunset Strip and it that era had died long ago, oh, man. Yeah. It died with Nirvana. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but God dang, that was funny shit, though. You remember coming out and visit and we were like, we would go to places. I mean, you go, 
people that never been think Hollywood Boulevard's like the glitz and the glamour and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, it's homeless people. Yep. You yeah. you will get stabbed before you find the star <laughs> you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine what it's like out there now, man. I mean, yeah. I hear stories of shit, but I will say this. I was on my way back from Fiji playing down there, and we stopped it. We had like a 12-hour layover in San Francisco. And so I wanted to see the Golden Gate Bridge, and we went down to the wharf and all that stuff. And I was expecting to just see all the shit they show you on TV. I saw none of that. Right. I had a great time at great yeah. restaurants. There was no tent shanties or none of that shit at that time. This was probably, I don't know, 2018, maybe 17, last time I went yeah. over there and played. Yeah, no, of protests and people sitting out. Yeah, I you didn't saw see any normal of that city, yeah. It was just like being down in Gulf Shores or yeah. Orange Beach or something. You know what I mean? But I will tell you this. It was in August, and we were sitting on the Golden Gate Bridge and could not see the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's how fog? foggy it was. Yeah. No shit. And then five minutes later, it would roll out. So we pulled over there to the visitor center, man, and got out. And, you know, we're still wearing our summer clothes. It's freaking August. Just got back from Fiji. It was so damn cold. We had to go in there and buy sweatshirts and shit. It's a miserable it was cold out there. Freezing. Yeah. And I think it was Barbara Streisand or Carly Simon or something years ago said the the coldest winter I ever spent was the summer I spent in San Francisco. By God, I believe it. It was freezing, man. We did that. And didn't expect it. We no. We going to get out there. It's we're, we lived in L.A. And I thought well, it was going to be similar. No. No, it was freezing all. cold, man. Like I said, one minute it would be clear as a bell. The next minute you couldn't see the mm-hmm. hood on your car. It was so foggy. We went to go to take pictures and you couldn't. We couldn't <laughs> yeah. had to wait. We had to I wait had to, for the fog. We couldn't take them from on the bridge mm-hmm. because by the time it, it was just, you know, once we got around to the visitor center, we could take it from there and we got some pretty good shots. But it was crazy, man. But, what, what's some gigs? You, you said you knew some gigs where you went, man, we shouldn't be here. Oh, God dang. I actually played at the 278 Lounge when it was still open behind Chicken Wire. <laughs> Wait. Well, behind first I want to hear about it, but I meant, I meant like a big time where you went, man, what the hell are we doing opening for this band or at this gig or at this venue? Like kind of a, a moment where you go, man, we, we've fleeced everybody. We should be. You know what I mean? I think every band has a moment or a comic or somewhere you're like, man, I sh- if they knew. If they knew it's who called I imposter was. syndrome. <laughs> yeah. This can't be really yeah. happening. You go, this can't be happening to me. If they Dude, knew who this was. At this point in my career, what I'm getting paid, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 God damn, well, I'm like, God damn, this shouldn't even be happening. He's walking home every Monday night for Kid Rock's with New Year's Eve money, dude. That's, that's what's going on. He keeps every, waiting for that phone call every day to be like, man, you got away with it for a while. But yeah, every gig, I, over, son. <laughs> every gig I'm overpaid, man, because I'm telling you, I, I've never thought I was a great singer. I I can't even but you're listen. In bars, though. That's the same thing. Entertainer. That's the same yeah. thing David said too. He's like I, he's not a great singer. I can't no, look. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I everybody was thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to whip your ass before we leave, David. <laughs> but you know, man, uh, I can't even listen to stuff that I've recorded back. Um, like if somebody posts a video on. Instagram or anything like that. I just breeze on past it because I'm just so critical of myself. I think it's horrible. And I've got tapes and cassettes and CDs of when we recorded live through the years, man, that just that I can't even listen to them. But what I always have had since the very first show, very first time I ever stepped on stage when I wasn't even in a band, 
there's just something that people connected with. And I always try my best to entertain them on a personal level. You know, within, if I have one true gift in music, it's this. Within three minutes, I will have everybody in the palm of my hand and I can keep them there for as long as I'm on stage, whether it's four hours or seven hours. And I've played seven hours straight with no breaks without repeating a song before. Yeah. And they were still clamoring for more and I'm finally like, we got to get the fuck out of here. I got another, I got to be somewhere tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we just did seven hours. Like, we'll give you another 3,000, play another hour. And I'm like, we're out. Got to yeah. go. And so, but it's just that connection on a personal level. And I try to talk to my son. He's 22 and getting into, about to be 22. And he's doing his thing now and playing at Tucci's Working Lounge. And I said, you just got to get up there and talk to him like you're having a conversation with your friend. The yeah. whole crowd, like it's just one person you're having a conversation. Yeah. And uh, and that's the one thing that I've always been great at. And and I'll, I will hang my hat on that right there. I'm not a not the greatest musician or singer or songwriter, but... Well, I don't think people are looking for that when they come They're not, me. man. And I try to tell... I try to mentor younger players that are coming up and they try to talk to me because, you know, I, I make stupid money on broadway i have since the day i walked on that street mm -hmm. and and started a lot of the trends that you see on broadway some of the younger players might not know who started that, yeah. uh, who started that or where it comes from but you can walk in almost any bar and i can show you something that they're doing that came from me because i've just been there for so long and my goal wasn't to come in there and just use that as a stepping stone to maybe get to a publishing deal or a record deal I wanted to turn that shit into a business. Right. I made a career out of it. So I wanted to make as much money as I could. And so I went in there, always open-minded on how do I get this money up? How do I get these tips bigger? How do I, how do I walk out of here with more cash? And, uh, but I always tell them the formula is this simple. It is this simple, no matter what bar you're playing in. Play songs they know the words to. Mm -hmm. And stand up there. And look like you're having the greatest time in the world. And they'll be falling all over you the entire time. You go up there and sing three original songs they ain't never heard, and they're going to bonk out to the next bar because there's no cover charge and there's just one door to the next is another bar. Yeah. You play three or four deep cuts that they don't know the words to, and they're gone. Every song I play, even, even the ones that are requested because, you know, they're requesting songs that they know are smash hits. Yeah. Smash hits. Everybody knows the words to it. It don't matter how old they are. Yeah, I, I can kick off Chattahoochee and the freaking twenty-one-year-old girl will scream mm -hmm. and sing every word. Are there musicians trying to play Nashville? Is there a set of songs that you're supposed to already know, like a box of songs? I've heard that there's like a hundred and ten or hundred and twenty songs that if you don't know, you <laughs> there's can't even... there's a nucleus man of songs that you do. Like uh, there's certain. Keith Urban songs that everybody knows. They all play it. There's certain Luke Combs songs, Luke Bryan songs, certain Brooks and Dunn songs, certain Zach Brown songs, certain ACDC songs, certain Bon Jovi songs right. that everybody knows. And they got this uh, the shared file that they use on Dropbox. It's got 40,000 charts in it. Every time somebody learns a new song, they'll upload this, this uh, chart to uh, – to this file and most bass players have it and they keep a little, they keep their phone on their mic stand 
And you don't if, do that shit, though. No, you? I don't do that. I was about to say, I, no. that was my next question is, what do you no, think about guys that I padded up on stage? It, you know, man, it's a new generation. No, and, I'm talking about as a front man, I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible to if you're using it a crutch. Now, here's what I will do. If I get 100 bucks for a song, 50 bucks for a song to play it, whatever, and I ain't never played it before. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the band can uh, work it out, which there's very few we can't pull off. Right. I'll make a joke out of it and I'll say, man, we got 50 bucks. We got 100 bucks to play this song. I don't even know this shit. I don't even know the lyrics to this song, but y'all give me like 25 or 35, 45 seconds to learn this song and we're going to play it. And now I'll, I'll pull up the lyrics and I, it's just part of my stick. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? And it, and it, that in itself is entertaining, but it's all about your delivery. Well, man, you're but, blowing somebody's balls off by doing that because they know that's exactly. not a normally requested song. Because they thought I, they were going to stump you. Is what exactly, they and I, I can't tell you how many people will tell us after the show. I cannot believe you guys could play that many songs, just one you've never heard, and you could play it. And we can, man. I mean, if I turn around and talk to the crowd and they can listen to 30 seconds of a song, we'll play the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> all you got to do is get to that first chorus, man. You're yeah. getting their money's worth for sure. And even if you mess it up, if you play that off, that's even sometimes more entertaining than actually killing the song. Dude, that's why I you know? love seeing badass so I... motherfuckers like y'all screw up songs. That's <laughs> yeah. my favorite thing to see. It's, it's like, like it... they are human, these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's like yes. Yeah, but, we, yeah. but we cover all kind of stuff, man. I mean, I can literally vocally cover uh bond scott and uh uh brian johnson with acdc i can do the the metallica shit i could do i could cover uh axel rose uh journey i could do bon jovi and i could sing johnny cash and i could sing trace adkins and jamie johnson and yeah. you'll believe it all don't you don't you find it funny these artists that like i'll do one day on one day off and they're only singing an hour at, oh at my best. god doesn't that drive you crazy like you're doing cover shows for three and four hours no break you're just so conditioned to if you were like a national artist playing and you only had to play for an hour wouldn't you be like i was just getting warmed up man. my I voice ain't even really yeah. uh, warmed up in an hour yeah and i think pussies <laughs> yeah i do too <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're out there. I've lost my voice. I've done three shows and I did 90 minutes. Right. I've got to go on voice rest. I've had three damn vocal surgeries, son, and I still get up there and grip it and rip it. Hell I yes, really I have. Three? Hell yeah. I just had my third one in November and yeah. I was singing on, on New Year's Eve. No shit. Yes, sir. I'm Last sure November, talk- a year ago, a year ago. What were so, they doing? What do you mean? What what What's voice surgery mean? At you get polyps or nodules and shit yeah. on your vocal yeah. cords, and it's they they characterize it like a callus on your hands. Yeah, you overwork your vocal cords, and it gets these little lumps on it, and it causes you to be hoarse or raspy, and you can't hit those high notes and yeah. stuff. And uh, the first time I got it done in Gadsden by some doctor, he did my got my nose broke terribly in the sixth grade playing basketball. I mean, it was just laid over. So he worked on my nose and my throat and just butchered me, man. My nose especially. <laughs> Then I had another one in 2004, right as my daggone record was finished. I started getting raspy, and I'm like, well, shit, I need to go and get this done because I need to do this tour. But I got this done, the second one done at Dr. Ossoff's office. And, uh, and, uh, Shout out Dr. Ossoff. Yeah, and he's supposed to be like, that clinic's supposed to be the greatest in the world. They do Aguilera, they do Keith Herb, all anybody that's a, a singer, they do it. Yeah. That shit took me a year to get over. I yeah. like to never got over that, man. How are you my... doing that singing three and four days a week? You're not <clears throat> well, supposed to, are you? You're not supposed to, and I had to take some time off. 
And back then, I really couldn't afford to. I had my album I was produ- uh, promoting, and, and I was still, you know, I was still struggling to to pay rent. I, you know, I wasn't making yeah. the kind of money I make now back then, and still renting and living in an apartment. Well, this last one I had done at the VA, and I had this young Mexican doctor. He couldn't have been thirty, dude. That guy. I was back to singing within six weeks, hitting notes. I ain't. I sing better now than I did when I was 30, when I was 20. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, shit. I'm serious. I got, I'm in better voice right now, and I can sing. As long as I keep singing every day, I can sing five, six, seven hours and won't even get hoarse. and go well, right back and do it again tomorrow. prove it. Listen to the next five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a guitar. <laughs> a guitar. Most cover bands and stuff, man, they, they, uh, they think, well, you're stupid for playing five hours for four hours straight, man. You not taking breaks, you're stupid. Not when you're running hundred dollar requests, you're not. <laughs> well, you, you got to think about it like this. When I first started playing at World Famous Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, that was that was the only block between Fourth and Fifth Avenue that had any kind of entertainment on Broadway. All them other bars was either a boot store, a pawn shop, or some other shit, candy but, store. Yeah. wasn't no bars. They all they were or they were empty, and so they got a twenty minute break but you only got half your base pay. So you got 40 bucks, I think was the base pay at the time. And if you took a break, you got $20. And I thought, well, if I can play for three hours of 45 minutes for 20, I can damn sure do another 15 minutes for 40. And that wasn't even the main reason. The main reason was if you took a break, everybody go to the the bar right next door. You'd lose them. You'd lose them. Then it'd take you another – you know, 45 minutes an hour to build a crowd back up, and then you got nobody to, in there tipping. So, and this is another thing Nashville can thank me for because I started this too. And they, <laughs> hey, man, don't dislocate your shoulder, pat yourself yeah. on the back. Well, they, they, they probably ain't happy about it, <laughs> no. but I started just playing straight through. Yeah. You know, I started just playing th- straight through because I didn't want to lose my crowd over 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they made it mandatory down there that we just all played straight through that's what we did and no nobody minds it trust me because you don't want to lose your crowd because you, you make your living off those tips and if you ain't got asses in them bars there ain't nobody tipping if they're in another bar what are you doing up there pissing in gatorade bottle <laughs> well a lot of bands uh like if somebody has to pee they'll let the lead singer do a song and then they'll jump up and go and he'll do acoustic show well i could play every instrument so I'll go play bass or lead guitar, and, and you drums. got Benny there a lot too. And Benny's there, you know. And so we all we all go to the bathroom if they got most of my band members. None of them will say, "Hey, I need to pee in a four hour show." Not one of them. Yeah, they never strong bladders in that group. I'm, I'm not shitting you, man. I had a drummer one time during that seven hour show we did. He never pissed once. I mean, he did. He just didn't tell you to stop. <laughs> he might have been peeing in his damn I've been, pants. I've been with David Lottomite shit in the middle of a show. Hey, hey all, the kid, all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> i seen him shit in a five-gallon bucket yeah. and keep going. So. God dang. I've thrown up while playing. Keep going. Hey, man, and most younger kids that's coming up today don't understand that concept either. Play through adversity. They're like, I got a tummy ache. I'm taking a week off. Yeah. I I have broken my ribs so many times and and just bones and shit. I've probably broken my ribs eight times. What are you breaking your ribs from? Just... 
cussing some the cops out. Was, some of it was <laughs> cussing fighting. the cops out. Cussing the cops out. He got beat by Billy yeah, <laughs> Some of it was fighting. One time I broke my ribs. I was on that Pros versus Joes. Y'all remember that on Spike TV? Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I was that. on that show and I broke my ribs doing what do that shit. What do you mean you were on that show? Yeah. You're just going to sweep that doing under the rug what? and not bring that up. <laughs> I did. What? I made it on the show with Kurt Angle. And then they had a, a, a basketball player and a football player. And I was 36 at the time, and I was on there with a bunch of 22-year-old dudes. And my only reason for doing this is I didn't have no expectations of winning. I just wanted to put on the football pads one more time and smack somebody. That was it. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make it that far. And so we're down there, and there's eight of us. And since Kurt Angle was on the show, you know, the WWE wrestler. Or Olympic he was, gold medalist, by the way. Yeah, he, was, a, he is actually a legit wrestler, yeah, Olympic gold medalist. A, not just a pro wrestler, yeah. a, a yeah. Olympic gold medalist. And okay. an absolute fucking crazy person. That <laughs> son of a bitch is crazy. And uh, Shout out, Kurt. And, uh, <laughs> and so they had a wrestling ring set up, and they were going to do a battle royal with the eight of us, and the first two throwed out was eliminated and then the other six moved on to the other events. Okay. So I get in there and so my roommate was about shit, he'd probably five, six, five, seven, little bitty dude. And so the mother six had already made a plan. Three of them was gonna grab him, three of them was gonna grab me. Well they grabbed him and chunked him out pretty quickly. Well you think you see them running against them ropes and bouncing off and shit and then jumping on each other and stuff. Well, that ain't how these ropes were. These suckers were so tight. I mean, it's, they must have cranked them down with a torque wrench or something. They, oh, yeah. they were so tight. Well, when they just came at me, they threw me against that rope, and it just cracked my ribs right off the bat. Right oh, off geez, the bat, yeah. man. They were so tight. Didn't give an inch. So I'm sitting here battling these three dudes just trying to stay in the ring. We're not fist fighting or nothing, but, you know, we're, we're yeah. jockeying for position. Well, they chunked the other dude out, and so the other three come over and got on me. So it's and so <laughs> I got my, my hands on the ropes, and uh, and just because I'm a musician, I work hard. I've had my whole life. I got strong-ass hands. And so I grabbed a hold of them ropes and was, you know, kicking them off of me and stuff. Well, it was taking them way longer than it should have to get me out of there. And the, the producers changed the rules. You had to be thrown out onto some cardboard boxes. Then they changed it to just get him out of the ring in the rope. We got a commercial break. Can yeah, it was taking out? forever, man. <laughs> and uh, and so they finally got me over the rope, and I slid back under the bottom. They didn't throw me out, like, into the cardboard or nothing. And they, they called it because I went over the rope. And, uh, boy, I cussed them. I figured they'd show this on TV, and it'd be nothing but bleeps. So I cussed <laughs> yeah. them. I, for five minutes, the whole time I'm walking out of there, I'm cussing them like dogs, you know. That ain't the – that wasn't the rules, you some bitches. Blah, 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 fuck all y'all. I'm laying it on. And then inside I'm thinking, thank God. Thank God, because, boy, I, I could feel like getting stiff, and I was totally out of breath. Wait, was Kurt Angle in the match, or was he just No, he, they had to – like, after you made it through that part, then oh, you got then to you go, go. You had to face off with Kurt I Angle. You. you had to face off with the basketball player, and you had to face off with the football yeah, yeah, player. Yeah, I got you. This was just a prelim to cut the number from eight to six. And so – this whole time, man, you know, all of y'all probably think this, and we all do. In our minds, we're still 18 years old. Sure, we can still huh? run and jump and throw and fight and do all that stuff. But our old bodies don't cooperate. No. Nope. Yeah. 
I thought I was in pretty decent shape till I got in there wrestling. When I come out, son, oh my God, I was I couldn't even I didn't even have enough wind to cuss them properly. I wanted to cuss them so much better, but I was so I was so windy, I couldn't even I couldn't even do it well. It was it was just. Fuck! <laughs> it was hey, you see some production assistant coming up, man? Going, give me your goddamn supervisor! Yeah. <laughs> I said, where's the fucking producer at? I ain't coming back. Oh, as soon as I started raising hell, soon as I started raising hell, they all run over there and got right in my face with that them cameras. And boy, then I really laid it on thick. I thought I would give them some TV. <laughs> they, they, can you believe they cut that shit, man? That I was like, shocked they didn't be, show it. That would have been part. that would have been great TV. That's why I really laid it on as thick as. I did. You were acting, oh, yeah. I wasn't I'm the John Stone character now. <laughs> well, I just I just got out and I was gonna cuss a little bit because honestly, man, I gotta say, after I, I knew they'd done broke my ribs like instantly. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I couldn't continue, but right. I wanted to make it look good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, but then when they put the cameras on me, I thought, okay, they want some TV. I'm gonna give it to them. So then a buddy, I really went to raging. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. then they didn't put none of it on there. I thought, shit, <laughs> at least I'll make the show, you know what I mean? It's a terrible so, producer. <laughs> terrible producer. Well, see, I mean, all, they would have had all these bleeps. It would have been awesome. Well, all they would have heard was just be <laughs> the whole fucking time. <laughs> no, just one long motherfucker. <laughs> Supervisor, beep, beep. <laughs> oh, Supervisor. man. But, uh, and, and so back to our original point, man, and I, I would play through that shit. You know, because the way I look at it, it wasn't just me. That was counting on that gig. Oh, yeah. Four or five other dudes was, man. Yeah. You know, they needed that gig. And at that time, if I was out, they didn't just let my band keep the 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 shift. They do now. And I'll get Benny or, you know, another buddy or something to come in in front and the band just plays on like I'm like I'm there and they keep that money. Well back then that wasn't the case. So if I didn't play, they didn't play. Yeah. And uh, there's few singers that think the way you do. And man, way. I'm telling you, so I just forced myself through it. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't know if y'all have ever tried to sing with a broken rib, but it literally feels like you got somebody with a screwdriver stuck in you when you're trying to take a breath. And it's about six weeks it takes yeah. to get the, and they can't to do get shit bearable. About it. There's they nothing. Can, you know, they just said time. And I don't take pain medicine or nothing. That stuff just makes me feel weird. And so it's just grit your teeth and 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 get up there and bear it, man. But back to your point. A lot of people nowadays that are coming up, I won't say they all are that way. You know, there's there's some people that they got grit too, but a lot of them are like, like you said, oh, I got a stomachache. I'm just going to call in. I'll get somebody else to do my shift. Or, and I told my son that. I said, son, you got to get your ass up and get on in there because you got not just you and the band, these people who booked you, they got one of the hardest jobs in the world. They're booking four bars that have three stages that run four bands on each stage 365 days a year. I wouldn't want that job. They're dealing with 500 musicians a day. Mm -hmm. Their phone never stops ringing. It's seven-day-a-week, 16-hour-a-day job, sometimes 20-hour-a-day job. I said, when you're out, you just made their job harder because you're throwing it on them in the last minute, and they're having to scramble finding somebody to replace your ass. I said, get up. If you're sick, take you a bucket and set it on stage and puke in if you have to and get your ass back out there and knock this gig out. Let me tell you something. Sticks with people. They see you throw up on stage and keep singing. You're going to be walking away with a lot of money in that bucket. <laughs> it, it endears you to them mm-hmm. because, you know, they see you. You're not at your best. You're up there struggling, but yet you're still trying to give them the best that you got, man. And it, it, it goes a long way. And, uh, and, and I see it all the time. And another thing that I see in Nashville constantly, 
this drives me insane. You the walk new, in the new Nashville, the, like the yeah, past, like the past five years, the Nashville, the new Nashville. As you walk into ninety percent of the bars, every musician on stage staring at their feet and looking like they'd rather be ten thousand different places. Mm-mm, and I'm can't thinking, do that. You idiots, you're up here making a living playing music. What is mm-hmm. wrong with you? Lucky you are, you jaded How son lucky, of a man! I still to this day. I can come in, I can be feeling like crap, just don't want to go in to play. The minute I set, don't step on that stage and that beat hits, I'm nothing but smiles the entire time. And mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't wipe it off my face. That's Benny's right. the same way. He's a bottle of energy. Just can't keep him still. The band's up there having a good time. We're in and that is infectious, man. The the crowd will be the same way. They'll be smiling, and they want a part of that. They want some of that joy in their life, man. Well, they're on vacation, most of yeah, them. Yeah, and, and they just want they want to have a good time. And if you're just standing up there looking like you're you're just rather be somewhere else, that's infectious, too. They yeah. pick up on that energy. Yeah. You get back the energy you put out, man, and that's 100%. And so many of those people up there do that shit and then wonder why they walked out of there with 75 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for four-hour shift. Let me ask you a question because I, I did briefly mention it before we started. A mutual friend, Chad Bearden, who's yeah. a uh, singer-songwriter from Alabama, but he he texted and said, "Hey, if it wasn't for you, that he wouldn't be in Nashville." Yeah. Um, I mean, is that something you tell everybody? Hey, just bite the bullet and go, or, yes. or, or is it okay? Hundred percent, because it, it changed my life. Like I said, man. I mean, it was the best thing I ever did, and. If you're going to be in music and you want a career in music and you don't want to do nothing but music, there ain't no other place that's doing that seven days a week. There's no place like that in the world. You can play on Broadway. I know guys that do triples. They'll do 12 hours. I know guys that do, they'll play four shows a day. And they'll do that shit. You know, they'll play, my drummer probably plays every day. And he'll do a couple of shows a day sometimes. And there's guys that I know, they don't miss a day playing. They can play anytime they want to play. If you are if you get up there and get in that click and give people your number, get up and set in with them, they know you can play. You can, you're not an idiot. You're not a drunk. You're not a, an asshole. You're going to get calls because things come up and they sub those gigs out to other players all the time. And I tell them, you know, I can't help you from there. There's nothing I can do for you yeah. in Gunnersville. You know, yeah. you're probably already doing as good as you'll ever do down there. If you want to do something in music, you want a career, bite the bullet, get over your fear, and move to Nashville. Trey was saying, like, national act guys that play on the weekend still come in that, during the week. Oh, yeah. They're, There's guys that are leaving national acts to come play Broadway because the money's so good now. Right. I guarantee you I pay my guys more than most people. Absolutely. That's got big record deals. Yeah. And it still ain't enough. My road pay, I mean. Yeah. It still ain't, it still don't compete with what we're doing on Broadway. People would be shocked to know that some of these rascal flats and uh, these national artists have players for them that are just making so, such little money. And there's somebody are, behind man. them. There's somebody behind them waiting for them to say, no, nah, I've had enough of this shit. And they, they slide They'll take right it in, in a second. In a second. And I heard you say that, uh, I heard Trey say that, you know, he was out with an artist or something was getting 150 bucks a show. Yeah, 150 bucks a show, and they're probably doing three or four a week. In a but bus. he's got to be gone most of the time, right? And 
maybe they they're have getting to leave a on the th- Wednesday. Yeah, come back that Sunday shot usually. Maybe they're getting a per diem. Maybe they're. I don't know. You know, I can't speak on somebody else's deal with their band and stuff. But you know, dude, artists that pay that that poorly should be called out. I know they never will. Well, well you know, it reminds me of comedy as well, though. There, there's a time I think with all of us. I mean, when I did comedy, you know, there's a time where you go, hey, man, drive to Tennessee for under 50 bucks. And I go, you count me in. I, yeah. I need to get up there and get stage time. And Correct. I want to yeah. get in front 100%. of the crowd and, and start learning. And that's the problem is at some point you go, well, I don't want to do that anymore. But like you said, there's a hundred other dudes ready to go. Right. And that's just a career choice. You got to you got to make that line in the sand where. Yeah, but here's, this here's is the me thing now. that most musicians don't uh don't ever realize this is the game changer the turning point and uh you do that until you get to the point you know you work for whatever you have to until you get to the point where you don't have to leave and go out of town anymore or you you're you've got a comfortable lifestyle right you know you can pay the bills with whatever you want to do and then you say no I'm yeah. not playing for that. There's yeah. a lot of power. I'm not in playing no. for that. There's a lot of power in and no. And no. you'd be shocked at how many people actually, like, just say, a musician or something asking the first time for five figures to, to come do a show. They get almost sick at their stomach and they get the shakes. Yeah. Because they're afraid to ask for that money. My son did it. I, I told him the other day. He went down and did his first. Show he, he booked out, and he said, what do you think I should ask for, Dad? I said, I wouldn't go for any less than this amount right here. Yeah. And and he said, you really think I should ask for that? And I said, why wouldn't you? You can't go up. I said, you you're going to well. have to drive all the way to Florida. Yeah. You're going to have to. You're going to be out all your expenses, and you got to pay the, the guy that you're taking with you. You need to pay him well. Yeah. You know, why would you come back with less money in your pocket that you can make right there in Nashville? Just say no if they don't want to pay the money. Well, he asked him for the money. He said, man, he said, I, almost, I just almost threw up. And uh, <laughs> and I said, well, did you get it? He said, yeah. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. And yeah. I said, you probably could have got more, yeah, too. Yeah, I yeah. said, but, you know, that's good money for you. You're starting out. I said, take that as a lesson to learn for it. And I talked to a girl the other day where she's asking for, you know, 12, 13 grand a show. And, uh, and but she said the first time she asked for that, she just had a panic attack. And I will say, too, as well, it was something for me to uh, to start asking for money. But what I realize is rich people don't buy cheap shit. They no. don't want cheap entertainment <laughs> if either. If you price it low, they don't want they cheap. Don't oh, buy. Yeah, yeah. When I was playing locally and I was trying to book $1,000, $1,500 private parties, I never got booked. Yeah, I never right. got booked. Well, hell, about 15, 16 years ago, I'm playing in Nashville, and I meet this cat. He's got a one of the biggest heating and air conditioning plumbing companies in the country right now but at the time you know they were they were big but not nowhere where they are now well i moved to nashville to get off the road because that's what i did i traveled every weekend playing all over the southeast i was in nashville i moved there to be in nashville not travel so he asked me what what i would uh get to uh come play a private party well at the time i just thought i'll throw a number out there and he won't take it, and I won't have to say no because you don't ever want to say no. Like, right. uh, you know, like I'm not interest, interested. Right, yeah. right you right. can turn down their offer, but and so I just threw out. Like I said, this was 16 years. Ago, I said I will do it for 3,500 dollars, and uh, 
He's like, yeah, man, I'll have my secretary give you a call and work at all the details. <laughs> oh, no. And oh, you're like, man. son of a bitch. I'm like, damn. If he had 8K well, to spend on I did it. a show uh, for Bill Belichick. They came to Nashville. He was born in Nashville. His girlfriend, born and raised in Nashville. And so all her friends and family's there. He come to Nashville uh, one year to, uh, they were going to do the Music City Marathon. They did a half marathon, him and his girlfriend did. And so I get a call or a text from Kid Rock one night, and he said, hey, man, you busy on well, it's April 26th or some shit like that. And I said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm open. He said, Belichick needs a band. Can they call you? I said, sure, give them my number. So 10 minutes later, the phone rings, and, you know, I'm expecting to hear from a manager, a secretary, secretary yeah. some shit, the girlfriend, you know, some. Well, I get a phone call, and he says, hey, John, this is Bill. He said, uh, I got your number from Bob. Kid Rock's name's Bob Ritchie. And I uh, got your number from Bob. Uh, me and my girlfriend's coming to Nashville. We're going to do a show. What, what would you charge me? So I gave him a price, and he said, uh, he said, well, do I need to send you a deposit or pay you up front? How, how do you need me to do that? I said, I said, no. Nah. I said, Bob vouched for you, and I've heard your name a time or two. It'll be all right. And he just kind of chuckled. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I never let on like I knew who I was talking to the whole time. Right. I, I never it, did. He, even when they showed up, man. But he came down. We did the show for him at the Hermitage Hotel there in uh, in Nashville, and they made us shut it down at 11. And I told Bill, I said, hey, man, uh, if you guys don't want to shut the party down, I said, I'll call down to Tucci's, clear the VIP, get some security up there, drinks are on the house, come down and hang out. He said, yeah, I think I like that. And I said, all right. <laughs> so we walked down there, man. We went up on the third floor. We're hanging out. I left them at 2 o'clock. I was so damn tired. They stayed. They shut the place down, man. Dude paid me three times what I asked him to get. And I still got the check. Still got the check. And uh, I've been hey, playing. Let's cash it. <laughs> well, I did the digital thing, so it ain't no good. But I still got it. There ain't nobody in the check. I'm hoping for a steak dinner. Let's go. But I've been playing for him. I play for him every year on Nantucket in July and been doing it for like 10 years now. Well, and, if he uh, needs a comic. <laughs> well, I, I'm telling you, man, people, at me. the number one question I get from, uh, you know, what's he like? Is he, is he an asshole? Yeah. Is he crabby? No, he's one of the nicest guys I ever met and his girlfriend and their whole family and their entire crew. It's one of the least stressful gigs I do all year long. He ain't just, coaching your ass. He's having a good time. Yeah, man. And, yeah. uh, and he's not really outspoken, you know, yeah. he don't talk a lot, but he is funny, and he's super nice, and they're so accommodating. Like, I go there, man, he'll give us his Porsche to drive while we're there, or a Jeep or some shit. Just, we stay at his house, or or his friend's house, we're still over there. And uh, John Esposito, who's over uh, uh, shit, Warner Brothers Worldwide, you know, he's his friend on Nantucket. We hang out with him. They're awesome. The freaking owner of the White Sox came to the show, and... I mean, uh, authors and stuff come to the show, and it's just so – it's the easiest gig we do, man. There's no pressure. They're so nice, and they just eat up anything you do, and when it's time to quit, they're ready to go to the house and make a cocktail, man. It's just – it's awesome. How'd you meet Kid Rock? This is a cool story too, man. Back in 04, 05, Kenny Olsen, his guitar player, left the band. Mm -hmm. Not sure what the reasons were that for that, but he left. And Bob's working on the Rock and Roll Jesus album. Well, he comes into uh, Tootsie's one night and sits there on the first floor and there's gets in the VIP, and he had a condo down on West End in Nashville. I'd never met him before, you know, but huge uh, Devil Without a Cause 
fan. That yeah. first sure. record fucked me. Yeah. And everything he had done. And so when he walked in, I was like, holy shit, that's freaking Kid Rock. <laughs> and so he sat down and and we're up there just just wailing, son. And I don't even have the band then that I have now. But yeah. we were still tearing the place up. So I grabbed the guitar and just started playing it. And I throw some gun behind my head and I'm just wearing this thing out. <laughs> and uh and so we get done playing, I hand my uh hand the guitar back to my guitar player and I go over there and introduce myself and I said, Hey man, thanks for stopping in. And uh he asked me my name and everything and he said, What are you doing when you get through playing? I said, I ain't got no plans. He said, Come back to the pad with us, man. And he said, We got plans for you. And I said, Okay. So I go back to his his condo, me and my dad and my bass player. Is Shit, it the house he has now? No, it's, it was a condo. He oh, just okay. bought a little condo down on West End, probably a couple bedroom, until he could find what he was looking for. And he offered me the job playing lead guitar in his band. I, I was going to take Kenny Olsen's spot. And so I said, fuck yeah, man, I'm in. And so I go home and I start working on this new record. And, I mean, he, pl- he played me – uh, blue jeans and a rosary and shit like that before it ever before it ever dropped before it was ever even mastered and stuff. Yeah. And so, the guy that's in his band now, Marlon, wrote some of the songs on that record with him uh, all summer long and uh, a lot of those uh, songs on that record. And he did the studio work in there, but he wasn't going to go on the road. But Kid Rock wanted him to. Yeah. Well, he changed his mind, you know, uh, somewhere between then and the tour kicking off. Well, that was kind of a no-brainer. He wrote half the songs, played all the instruments on the records and shit. So he went on to be Kid Rock's guitar player, but me and Bob stayed friends, you know, and uh, started. And then I think a couple years later, he started up the Kid Rock cruise, and it was a music cruise like y'all were talking about, man. And and so he invited me on that first one, and I was the only artist besides him to be invited back on all ten of those music cruises. Damn. Yeah. And so, um, why did you turn down the guitar position? That's what I want to know. I didn't dude. I they didn't. I, it was, I told him I was in, but when, when Marlon changed his mind, Oh, they, you know, yeah, yeah, he changed his mind and said, Hey, on second thoughts, I'll take the gig. If it's still open, Bob and Bob said, you're in. And so, you know, but it opened that door for, you know, us to communicate and become friends. And, now hell he don't live 18 miles from me he's got the big mansion up there and uh but before he built that mansion he had a double wide camouflage trailer up there no shit he He got the property and just slapped that on it yeah he bought um he bought this property it was like 80 acres right on top of a hill it's got one of the best views in all of nashville and uh he pretty much stole it man and uh but he had to climb this to the top of the summits because the road was washed out and the those four guys owned it, and he got up there and pulled weeds back, you know, where he could see. So he could see the view. He's like, write him a check. And uh, so he got that, and then uh, 120 acres down below him came available that was a dude ranch. And uh, so he said they wanted to sell it to him. He said, I know I'm going to have to pay celebrity tax. He yeah. said, so here's an offer on your property. It's good for 24 hours. And after that, I don't want it at no price. So they took it, and now he's got 200 acres there. Jeez. And he moved his he moved his double wide down there where his little saloon and all that dude ranch shit was, and yeah. on the pond. And he's got that big mansion up there, 27,000 square feet with two oh, bedrooms. Yeah, oh, two, two bedrooms. Two bedrooms. Two bedrooms. He's got a bowling alley in there. He's got a 20 person 
real huge stone rock grotto, you know, hot tubs and shit. It's crazy, man. And like I've been to parties at his place down in it's called the Rattlesnake Saloon down there at the bottom. And it was the old dude ranch saloon. I've literally been in there with Priscilla, Lisa Marie, her son before he passed away, Loretta Lynn, Trailer Park Tammy, uh <laughs> Gretchen <laughs> Wilson, Jake Owen, um The Yellow uh, What's Dennis uh played Great Balls of Fire? Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, he played oh, that Dennis part. Quaid, you, Dennis yeah, Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, he was in there. Dennis Rodman came to my show the other day at Kid Rock's Estate for the whole damn show. <laughs> he, him and Neil Smith, you know, the defensive end for Kansas City and Detroit. Uh, I mean, Denver Broncos. Yeah. Freaking uh, Rodman stayed the whole show. Do you He's think? a great music fan. <laughs> He's a great music fan. Morgan Wallen, people are always jumping up on his stage. Like, every time I see you go live, there's somebody new. Morgan Wallen, the first time he came on, got on a stage, any stage, after all that shit went down with him getting caught, you know, mm-hmm. talking to his buddy, was was on stage with me at Kid Rocks. Wow. He got, yep, he came in with Bob and, and John Daly, who's a freaking... He's a freak. I love no. that guy. We've been friends 25 years. I fucking love that guy. But you talk about a goddamn partier, son. Man. He is a wild man. Have you been man. to Hooters with him? Huh? Have you been to Hooters Never with been him? to Hooters with him, but we partied on a number of occasions. I met him in Gunnersville, Alabama, of all places. Before no I moved to Nashville. Some golf tournament, uh charity golf tournament happened over there, and they had the after party at some dude's ranch. And <laughs> that uh, dude was probably like, John Daly's coming to party here. And, and I got <laughs> invited to come play through – some channel and he got up and we hit it off man and now i was sitting at the house the other day and my son his fiance and friends were sitting there john called me on the phone <laughs> jack said is john Daly really calling you i said yeah man he's he's a good dude good dude but crazy all that shit you see on tv it's not a, it's not fake it's yeah. not fake that 30 for 30 is great. it's all true and he don't give a fuck man he he just he don't he Never has. Him. That's what makes him so special, man. Yeah. And, he, and he's a super nice guy. And he can actually sing. He's got a couple of records out. He gets up and sings with us all the time. Every time he comes in. Yeah, I heard him. What I heard him butcher a song. I was trying to think of what song. It was. Well, he Knock can do that up. too. Now he can be a drunk. He can come in drunk and and do what we all could do on a song right. drunk, man. <laughs> but I've, I've been blessed, man. I've I've been really lucky as far as. Just uh, the way things have turned out, and some of it was just fate. Just like a dude walking in the, and his name's Mark Wallace. We're still friends to this day, and uh, and he was out of went to school at Sandrock, just walking in and out of the blue asking me. And I've, we've had this discussion a hundred times. He don't know why he asked me that question. He don't know. He just did. Oh, that was the guy at the gas station. The guy at the gas station, and just like you know, sitting in at Tootsie's and things just kind of taking off as quick as it did, and. And I never got that that major record label, that major success. And at the time, it was something that I dearly wanted. You know what I mean? I wanted to be a big star. Shit, I wanted to be Jason Aldean. Looking back on it now, I'm so thankful I didn't. Yeah. Because man. I've done well enough that that you know I can I can I'm all right. Yeah. But I don't have to. You know, like Kid Rock said, he can't go to the dollar store. Can't stop at a no. gas station. There's and a certain level of fame that's just, like, perfect, and you have it. it yeah, man. And and those guys that are – they got all the money in the world, but they can't use it like we can. 
Mm-mm. I can't just go out and hang out. Son of a bitch people. goes on fishing trips. I, th- I went on a deep sea fishing trip with him. <laughs> I thought it was special. And then I proceeded to see 20 more pop up in the next year. I was like, oh, this was just another fucking weekend. <laughs> I've been holding on to this memory like it was something special. And it's just like, he goes on fishing trips. Like, you go through underwear, man. This guy's all the time going hunting, fishing, all kinds of shit. Well, I always incorporate something good in in my work because and here's something else that younger musicians and more even not just younger ones but more musicians should get i invest in the people who book me just like they invest their money and you know their time in me i invest it back yeah because if they're going to pay me the kind of money that i ask for these days and they'll always like, hey, if you come in a day early, we'll take you out on the boat, or we'll yeah. we'll go fishing. He's like, don't or, or, say it unless you mean it. Yeah, I always say, I was like, don't 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 uh, don't say it unless you mean it, because yeah. I'll show up. Yeah, yeah. And so, or like, you go hunting, or we'll go down and airboating in the swamps or something. I go, I show you up. You sure as shit do. Look I at do. And if they and if they want me to stay a day over, I by God go and I invest that time back, and that's why I've still got the same clients. For 15, 16 years, but book me every single year. Always, I've got six figures I can count on. If nothing else happens, those people are going to book me back. If nothing else happens. And now if an agent reaches out to you, you're like, I don't want it. I don't need it now. What would an agent do for me other than want a piece of what I'm already doing? Right. Mm-hmm. That's when they What's come he going to get though? me, a gig for $3,000? Yeah. 4000 because he wouldn't have the balls to ask for the kind of money I do. I know. He wouldn't because I got no record labels. I got no hit songs he wouldn't he wouldn't value me enough yeah. to ask for the kind of money mm-hmm. that i get nobody values you as much as yourself most people don't even value their own self Correct. and that's another thing i try to talk to people that i'm mentoring to and and i told like benny carl my buddy and, he, and i don't really want mind me telling him this telling this story i met him when he was in his late 20s and you've seen him play fucking guys just insanely talented but he's insanely talented he just he's got that it factor that if you saw his band play you wouldn't take your eyes off of him you'd want to hang out with him you'd want to off stage get to know off stage in a bar you'd be like that guy just want to hang out with this dude and he's just so nice and just and he would totally hang out with everyone in here Mm -hmm. he'd totally take you into his crew and be like you've known him forever and but i told him we were having a conversation one time uh, you know, about, I just got to know him and Benny's been playing in band since he was a teenager and left home when he was like 14 or 15 and just kind of been on his own. And we were talking, you know, got to making money and you know how much they were getting paid and shit like that. And he said, I've never had a thousand dollars to my name at one time in my whole life. His in his late twenties. I said, what? He said, no, nah, man, I, I've, and I ain't saying this to, to, put Benny down man like I said he he knows we've had this conversation a hundred times he'll tell you the same story he said no I've never had a thousand dollars to my name at any one time and he was telling me stories about how they would drive to freaking New York to do a show with no guarantee hoping they sold a few t-shirts nobody show up and have to split a damn Whopper sandwich four ways you know just so yeah. they have something to eat during the whole trip that's all they'd eat and shit mm-hmm. and I said I said I'll be right back so I went in the house and I got an envelope and I came back out and I handed him a thousand bucks. I said, well, now you have. And I said, you ain't got to be broke to be cool. Yeah. I said, you're just playing the wrong places. And I said, I can help you. 
I could teach you how to make money at this. You're too good not to be making stupid money. And Benny was one of those guys who, who listened and applied it, you know, because I've learned this shit over a 20-year career. I have been that guy that, that would play for anything. I've been the guy that went and played and got stiffed. I've been the guy that barely had the money to get back and coasted into the house or the gas station on fumes and shit. I've done all that. Yeah. I've but been you have. But you've got monitors and shit. And, I got monitors and, TVs and, boards. and everything else. You know? <laughs> I got gear, son. Yeah. I got gear. You know? <laughs> and, and if somebody will, if, if anybody throughout my career has come to, come to me and asked me, and, and I've always tried to mentor them and, and be open with them about the way I say things. And, uh, and the business side of it, not the music side, because they got that shit down. They don't need me to tell them how to play guitar or sing or none of that shit. What they you wouldn't need, even offer them advice if, you did, if they didn't have the talent. They well, exactly, man. I mean, you know, uh, if I didn't see something in them, uh, I wouldn't be rude to them. You know what I'm saying? I'd yeah. still tell them something or, or, you know, tell them something that I see that they could work on or something. But somebody I see has got talent, man. I take a, I, I take an interest in them, and I want to see them do good. It, I want to see those guys get a record deal. I want to see them making stupid money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and I don't need no accolades or no to be a part of it. And like I told this one guy, I'll help you out. I'll do everything. And if you get signed, I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be a part of it. I said, it's all you. I just want to see you succeed, man. Yeah, that would give you the most satisfaction. Yeah, it would just give me the most satisfaction. I just want them to be successful i wouldn't want to be a hindrance like the record label say well you got a little dead weight over here you know we need to trim this fat off or yeah or we like you but this guy's got to go and yeah, it happens so shit. many times yeah you know you've seen acts that's got a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife that tries to be a manager and just don't know shit about nothing well they're a hindrance they're not a help so i don't want to be that and so i was talking to benny and all i said the first thing you have to do is you have to know you you have to value yourself. If you don't right. know what you're worth, how is somebody else supposed to know what you're worth? That's right. If you, you know, how do you know what you can get for a show if you've never asked for it? If you ask for $10,000 a show and you can't get $10,000 a show, then you know you probably should ask for seven, maybe five. Yeah. But if you ask for $25,000 a show and they pay it, well, then you just fucked yourself this whole time if you never get the balls to ask for that money. Yeah. You don't know what your value is. You don't know how much you just left on the table. Yeah. And you can always say, and I've had this happen a lot of times, well, this is my fee plus travel, whatever. And they're like, well, that's just out of our budget. And there for a while, I said, well, I got three packages I can offer you. That's full band, full production, me bringing everything. I can bring two guys with me, and we can do it for this fee. Or I could come right by myself, and I'm going to play for this fee. One of them worked, still yeah. got paid. You know, at this point in my career, my fee is my fee. I'm traveling my whole band. That's right. That's what I get paid. Otherwise, I'm going to just play four nights a week down at Kid Rocks. And you ain't hurt my feelings by saying no. No. And the fee's the fee. And they're like, well, you know, we can't do it. But very seldom do people even tell me no. And it's usually the one-off. It's like a uh, somebody's birthday party or they're getting married. Yeah. It's never going to happen again, you know, and – but people, business people, I do a lot of, you know, corporate shows and stuff. Yeah. That's going to be an annual deal. They do that stuff all the time. And I'm the guy that they call for everything that they do. And, uh, but I've always told the people that I'm talking to and mentoring, don't be afraid 
to ask for more money than you think you can get because you can always come down. You can always, if they say, well, I can't pay 15 grand, you know, well, what kind of budget are you working yeah, on? Let, let them me throw see out what I can, right. you know, let me, what? let's see what I can do. And, and they might say, hell, I can do 12. Well, shit, I still. Pretty good. I tell good everybody payday. as stand-up comics that are starting to get into it as well, and look, I'm not at the top of the food chain, but one of my number one things is when somebody calls to book you for a gig, I'll, they'll go, well, I don't know what to ask. I go, you ask them, what's your budget? Because hmm. whatever their budget is is what they expected to pay you, right? and there's your instant worth. If they go, well, our budget's 1500 they thought they were about to get you for 1500 Yep. Now, you don't have to do it, but I'm saying exactly. – there's your price right there. Right. If and that's great advice. If you go in and $300, like you said, and they go, book it. You yeah. Go, well. You just left 1200 <laughs> yeah. on the table. Yeah. It's so great it's like, advice because, you know, you can say, what, what, you know, what kind of budget are you working with, just like you said. And a lot of times they'll come right out and tell you. Sometimes yeah. I say, well, I don't know because they want you to say it. Exactly. But, but hell, eight out of ten times they will tell you what, you know, I was looking at. And a lot of you know, them four don't or five, know. They don't know what yeah. they should be paying you. They don't, they're Correct. terrified to insult you. They're terrified. Yeah. They're, they're terrified to insult you. You're terrified to insult them. Okay. And therefore, you know, nobody really throws out the correct <laughs> number. Right. And I, it seems like every year I expect things to, you know, I'm 50 years old. And uh, I've been doing this for 30 years. I keep expecting it to fall off. And someday it will. Someday it will. It, it happens to everybody. But every year has been better than the last. The last year was the best year I've ever had. And uh, and I probably picked up seven or eight new clients coming in to 23. And it's looking I, like it's going to be I still even feel like I'm leaving money on the table. I still yeah. do. Yeah. I still feel like they'd probably pay more if I asked it. The older so, you get. And I keep going up and I keep getting more goddamn bookings. I know, dude. I had no idea t- 10, 15 years ago that these $20,000 gigs were all around me. They're all no, around you, dude. I had no idea that they were just, they were going on in people's backyard. Yeah. They were going on at little civitans. You wouldn't believe how many times I go set up on somebody's porch and play. And yeah, you, you break just, the fucking back. Hell, probably half the, half the road gigs I do a year is on somebody's porch. Mm-hmm. No shit. I'll tell you this, too corporate shit. They got a budget, and if they don't spend it one year, they don't get it the next. Exactly. So if you tell them that, that's they're they going to spend that money that next year. Yeah, no shit. Sure. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. And you also, once you take that money, you got to bring the goods. You got to go and deliver a show. Yeah. You know, that, you got to leave them. Story. You got to leave them <laughs> yeah. happy. You can't just go and show up and look down at your damn shoelaces the whole four hours. <laughs> you know, you got to deliver the goods, and uh, and that's what we do. We very seldom, like I said, unless it's just maybe a wedding or something, it's never going to happen again. Do we never not get invited back? They uh, they got happen their... again. People get divorced and married again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does happen. Bad example. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen, man. So, but it, it I've had to learn this, uh, you know, as I've gone along because I knew a long time ago that I wasn't playing on, in Nashville as a stepping stone. That was going to be my career. I was going to turn – and I always say this on stage. You know, I'm running a business up in yeah, here. He says it just like that. I'm dude. running a business. You ain't got to tip us, but we running a business I'm a businessman up in here. <laughs> you know, and and I don't I don't ever ask them people for their tips or te- or make them feel like they tell – matter of fact, I tell them, I, you know, uh, if you got a song you want to hear, let me know, and I'll try to play it before we get out of here. If you got a $20 bill or bigger, 
I play it immediately. Right. And I said, I'm running a business up in here, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yeah. businessman. And that's funny in itself, but it also lets them know, you know, we're not here fucking around. Yeah. You know, you didn't pay to get in. I know the drinks were expensive, but, and I'll also tell them before the bucket goes around, because we send it around, you know, I don't want anybody in here to feel obligated to tip us. And I mean it. I really mean that. Yeah. And I said, but if you're enjoying yourself and you would like to drop a few bucks in our bucket, we'll make our living that way and we appreciate it. You can see them just start clapping and, and you know, yeah. just nodding their head because they get beat over the head with that bucket in Nashville. Man, something fierce. I mean, people, there's some folks that are just assholes about it. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want someone to tip me because they feel like they should. I Not want them guilt. to tip me. They're having the best goddamn time in their life, and they yeah. can't wait to come back. And it's the best money they spent while they were in town. And that's what they tell me when they – when they hit me up on Facebook and stuff, because I stand on stage and give my give out my phone number. I do it two or three times a night. No shit, I do. What's the difference of giving out five hundred business cards and just saying your phone number? Yeah, the phone number's on them business cards. That's true. They're gonna just toss that shit before mm. they even get out of the bar. They will dial your number and call it if you give it on the if you say it on on the stage. And I can't tell you <laughs> how much money know, you're here to tell people. They do call two, three, four in the morning. They don't I, give a shit. They call me, man, and and. Uh, I booked, I don't know how much money that's made me. When yeah. just people text me, are you booked on this date? We're having, you know, we've got a 40th birthday party or or we're having a retirement party or my son's graduating. We want to throw a big shindig. And it's all because I stood up there and said my phone number on stage. When did you get this, pro this, this property he lives on in Ashland City? It's nice, dude. He's got a nice <laughs> chunk of land right with a, a nice creek running right behind him, dude. It's like the ultimate, ultimate place. That When did you get that? When did you buy I that? I got really lucky, man. I found that place. The first 26 acres I bought where my house and saloon and all that stuff is, it, I bought it in 2013. And uh, then in 2014, the 100-acre farm behind me came available, so I was lucky enough to get that. And then in 2015, 175 acres behind that came available. My buddy from Houston bought that property. So he comes there once or twice oh, a year. Daddy Warbucks over here just <laughs> gobbled up all well, the property. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't expensive back then as it is now. I yeah. got I got it it's right. Jerk. I got really lucky. I mean, now it's 20000 an acre. He has a saloon on his property, like a legit saloon. <laughs> yeah. He has music festivals at his house. Dude. It's crazy. We, uh, when I bought that place, the old dude who had it was in construction, and he had horses, so he set up. He had a horse barn there, and then he had a big shop for his tractors and shit. And so I took that shop, built a porch on it, and uh, I built a, a stage, a bar. I built seven bedrooms in there, showers, bathrooms. We're building, working on an industrial kitchen right now, and then I got a pavilion out there that I can roll these garage doors up, and you can see all the way through it. And uh, we uh, we'll have like we do New Year's Eve parties there, and we'll throw a three or four day uh, festival. And hell, your band played yeah, both of those that yeah. we had, and people are bringing their motorhomes. I got a bunch of RV hookups out there, and I'll bring in a, a glamping tent company out of uh, out of uh, Colorado, I think's where they come from, and they'll set up these tents. And when people get there, there's a bed in there with full linen. They had air conditioning in them. They had private showers. It was it was plush, man. It was pretty cool. How many yeah. years? The, the final question. I know you got to get out of here. It's been two hours. <laughs> you, how how many more years do you think you got in the business? Man, you I thought tell about you, that a lot. I right? have thought about that, and I thought fifty would probably. You know, I just turned fifty, and I had some goals set for myself at fifty, and I've I've hit those goals as far as you know, uh, 
business wise and financially and shit. And uh, so I'm thinking probably fifty. Microphone fail. That's drunk. <laughs> if I can get five more years really killing it like I've been killing it, I'm probably going to just uh, turn the band over to my son. Yeah, he's because you know, I see him. He's killing it. Now. He's doing great, man. He's going in and playing like some of the guys that he plays with. The drummer that he's playing with played with me some when I first moved to town 20 years ago. His name is Sticks. He's great. He's perfect for that front stage in the daytime. Yeah, the jacks his own. He's really patient and he's. Such a great drummer. He's played with just legends, man. And then the, the the guitar and bass player, they're older than Jackson. Then they got he's got a young fiddle player and then another young girl front uh, co front with him. Yeah. And they get in there, tear it up, man. They're setting records on the money that they're making on that daytime shift. Dang. Well, look and at old Coach Stone over here. Got him, got him geared up to make all the money you man, can make. You taking well, 10% out every day? I should, man. I should get a damn cut of that shit. Wop his little dirty ass and feed him all these years. <laughs> Hell yeah. Put up with his little daggone attitude. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, they're doing great, man. And, uh, and he's... He's got it made, you know, if he just gets in there and works. And uh, he's he's going to grow and develop. And he's really – he don't care nothing about a record deal. He's not trying to be a star. He just wants to go down and play and, and get paid. Well, and, he sees where the money is. Of course yeah, he exactly. doesn't want to get I mean, a record deal. So many people don't understand. You can turn that into such a great career. Not, but, but you have to be business-minded. You have to approach it as a business. Right. And that's what it is. It's a business, you know. I pay my guys well um, and – and I pay them so well that I don't have to worry about them just going and playing with someone else. It'd be very hard for a road act to pull my guys. Absolutely. It would. Yeah, and well, you thought about that when you paid them what you're paying them. You know? Exactly. I pay my band members each more than what a lot of bands around here get paid as a whole now. Right. For a gig. Yeah. And so, but I have to because I, I want them guys comfortable. Yeah. I want them living the life where they ain't sweating uh uh, lot bills and car payments and and they ain't sweating if they want to go on vacation or nothing like that you know and we got some other guys that if they want to take a vacation or or take time off to be with their family the other guys slide right on their place we never miss a beat i make sure they try to get as much time with their family one of my bass players got a you know 11 year old son i think and he's God, he's a badass on bass uh, and he's a drummer he drummers his drumming is his first instrument Get the hell and out. And he's a freaking phenomenal bass player, too. But, you know, his son's in school, and he teaches uh, class music classes at his school and shit. And so, and then my drummer's girlfriend's got a little boy. I want them to spend time with their family. Yeah. You know, and, and that's another thing that made me really appreciate the opportunities that I had with staying in town is because friends that I had, you know, and just about most anybody in in country music that you can think of and, and some dudes in the rock world i know them we've hung out we've met you know we're friends and shit and i watched them getting divorced and and you know and other men raising their children and shit yeah it happens and my son was two when i moved to nashville and i've been present for every first he's ever experienced Kill every him. one of them that's great and and I, that See, was if you got that record deal, that shit wouldn't be no wouldn't be saying no that right hell now. no if you're on the road for three four months or whatever you know and and me and my wife wound up getting back together after being divorced for three years. You know, she moved to Nashville, and we got to raise our son together. And uh, it, it just, 
I wouldn't take anything for that. You know, that's the biggest accomplishment you've had is raising your kids. Man, I'm telling you, it's the most important thing to me in this whole world. Nothing else, nothing else matters without them, without the family. And uh, I, I wouldn't money or none of the the the, the things because mm-hmm. things, if as you accumulate them, are just time stealers. That's and that's right. our most valuable asset. It is. You know, and and when you accumulate a lot of shit. And I grew up poor. My wife grew up poor. We we didn't have anything until it went out of style, and then you could buy it for nothing, <laughs> you know. And then you get yeah, laughed yeah. at at school for fucking wearing it and yeah. shit. And so, you know, my my wife tells a story how her how she got bought some yard sale clothes and went to school, and then the girl at school was like, "Those are my clothes. You bought them at the yard sale." That kind of shit's the way we grew up, right? Mm-hmm. And then you Same. get to the point, you know, you couldn't have nothing, and you get to a point where all of a sudden, well, you can have things. And I had to have this, and I had to have that, and I had to have this, and I had to have that. Now all I have is a bunch of f- fucking problems that just <laughs> occupy most of my time while Benny Carl lives on my property in a camper. Right. And, and he ain't fishing. got no fucking problems. <laughs> and it, <laughs> the only problem he's got is where he's going to spend all that goddamn money now. <laughs> Yeah. And beer bait bullets is all his problem is. If I got beer bait and bullets, because he's fishing, I'm out there busting my ass, sweating like my balls off, fixing yeah. water pipes in the winter, chasing cows down the damn street. He sucked his boat. He's headed out, son, going to Vail skiing, going to Colorado or, or yeah. North Carolina skiing. I'm thinking to myself, which one of us has this figured out? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's a legit question. Which one of us has got this figured out? Because he has nothing holding him down other than his own desires. And all I'm out there doing is working on equipment and fixing fences. It's and, hard not to get jealous of that. Like you look at well, him like. Well, I'm not jealous of that. But what I am, I, 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 what, how, why am I so stupid? So we're in the process. <laughs> Of selling everything. We're going to sell it all, and, and me and the wife's going to get a motorhome, and we're not going to live anywhere. I've made so many friends and all across the United States and different parts of the world. And your kids are old now? You can do They're that. grown. My son's about to get married, and, uh, you know, we can. We made so many friends. I could pull my motorhome up at a buddy's house and stay for two weeks, and he'd love every minute of it, and so would we. Getting that son of a gun, roll out to the next joint. Go spend our winters in Key West. You know what I'm saying? That's the plan. But the one thing that I've realized, man, and I try try to tell Jax and Becca they're getting married, I said, live as modestly as you can. Live on as as little as you can get by with in the smallest house with the least amount of clothes and possessions that you can and spend your money making memories. Go on vacations. Go skydiving. Climb a goddamn Mm. mountain. You know. Preach. Do all that shit. Don't buy a boat. Rent some gun. Well, that's right. You know, you can go to any lake and rent boats. Any kind of wake boats. You don't need pontoons. Buy a pontoon boat. Hell no. That's you know, you, you can rent any kind of shit. Go rent you a jet if you, you know, if you live like that in their in their late 20s, they can go rent a private jet and go on a vacation. You don't got to own one. That's right. Shit, there's jets everywhere sitting there wishing you'd rent one or lease one. And and I said, don't own this shit that's just, just, just stealing your time because no matter what age you are, your time is your most valuable asset. That's your most valuable thing that you will ever have. And it can be taken from you in a heartbeat. And not just through death, but through injury. Yeah. You know, these people, 
work their whole life and and save all this money and they go on one vacation a year and they don't do this and they're like I'm when I boy when I retire I'm gonna do this boy what the fuck are you gonna do at seventy yeah you might take a cruise you might fly somewhere and walk around and see some sights you ain't mountain biking you ain't snow skiing <laughs> yeah. unless you you know went to the gym every day and made a lifestyle out of it you might be but at retirement age you ain't doing the fun shit you could do now yeah. And that's why right I, I told my wife and I told my son and everything, ain't going to be no bunch of money at the end. They just ain't. I'm, we use ours as we go. Because one thing that does not scare me in this life is being broke. I'm not afraid of it. We was broke our whole life. It don't scare me at all. I can go back to being poor tomorrow, and it won't <laughs> It won't affect me one bit. Actually, I'll probably be happier and have way more time oh, to yeah. fish. You see more miserable rich people than you do oh, my God. poor people, dude. I mean, just like I said, these these super wealthy people that's, that's – you wouldn't believe how much money Bob's got sitting in the bank. But like you said, he can't go to Dollar General store. Get harassed. I, I've been with him. When he was in his heyday, man, he literally had to have a guy go to the bathroom with him and stand outside the stall to keep people from jacking with him while he was taking the shit. A fact. I, I've been with him in hotels and shit. We walk through wherever we go. It once one person re- realizes who he is, it's on. It's just it's pandemonium. That's why I got that tattoo. Don't sell the moment. That's what it says. Don't what? Don't sell the moment. Exactly. Because that's what we do. We sell moments all the time. You can't buy them back. You can't buy them back. You can't buy that moment back. You can't buy them back. That's why if I get an opportunity to do anything, if somebody invites me to something that sounds fun, I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Because usually, I'm lucky enough, it's on their dime. Yeah. I got paid to come there and do that shit. That's the way I've operated for the past few years. You know, I got paid to come there and do that shit. So why in the world would you pass that up? But you, you wouldn't believe how many musicians i've worked with and i had to get rid of some recently that they wanted to roll in right before the show downbeat they wanted to roll right back out not shaking dude's got hands. a dude's got a limousine waiting on us fixing take us to the nicest restaurants there is strip bars wherever go out on ponte they pick us up in private jets and they don't want to give them no no time they don't want to give them nothing and back. And that's all those like, people want. That's all they, they want, want, man. They want to share a moment with you. That, 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 that's all they want. They just want you to hang out with them. And if you'll do that, man, I, some of my best friends that I have in this life was made that exact way, and they will they will carry me to my grave. Yeah. Or I'll carry them. Well, luckily for you, David Lynham wants to load us up in his Ram truck and take us to a Mexican restaurant after this. <laughs> By if God, I'm in. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> My motto is, if you paying, we's a playing. <laughs> well, man, we appreciate you coming in today, man. This has been like the highlight of our month, dude. This is awesome. great. Man, I thank y'all for the... Uh, Thank you for letting me know Cam threw me under the fucking bus. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, man. Nah, man, I appreciate it. I got, uh, you, you sent me uh, the podcast link, and I pulled it up, man. I'm really impressed with what y'all are doing here. It's just first rate. I mean, the, the equipment, the way you guys are doing it, it looks great on YouTube. Incredible. Like, if you're just sitting there watching it and listening, it looks good. It's funny. It's it's organic. It's just natural, man. I think you're onto something here. So I hope thank so. y'all for having me. Let me be part of it, and uh, I wish y'all all the success in the world and if I can help you in any way, I'll be glad to. And Thank if you, you want to catch John, you can go see him on Broadway anytime during the week, but he's over there. Yeah. Kid rocks. I play there, uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, six to 10 on the main stage and Friday, Saturday afternoon, two to six on the main stage. If I'm not touring, uh, 
But I usually, if you'll follow my Instagram, John Stone Country, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N-E Country. We'll put it on a graphic. Yeah, yeah cool, man. I usually post that, you know, the week of. But you can, you can post it and you can, you can make a banner of it. You yeah. can tag people in it. And they'll, they'll send you a ask. message. Hey, when are you playing this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just, if they always message me and I always just send it back to them. But it's the most, that's the number one text or message that I send out is my You're schedule. lucky they even found you by name. You can put banners <laughs> all over the stage and they're still going to ask who the I'm hell I'm telling you right now, man, you can have them all over your stage. What's the name of the band? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the well, truth, man. That is so true. We appreciate you coming down here on a revoke license. You know what I mean? That was yeah. big of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, man. Golly. Well, we will see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you rate, view, and subscribe to the podcast and leave some comments on YouTube for us. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. See Hell, y'all. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get away with love.